0: Hi, and welcome to the DLA Piper Tech Law podcast series. My name's Chloe Forster, a technology lawyer specialising in advising retail sector clients on digital transformation and technology-led change programmes. And today, we're going to be talking about the disruptive impact of technology on the retail sector. I'm delighted to be joined by my colleagues, Ruth Hoy and Gurpreet Durer. And um, perhaps you can both tell me a little bit about yourselves.
1: Sure. Hi, Chloe and Ruth. Great to join you. I'm Gurpreet Dura. I'm a partner in our global employment law team at DLA Piper and have been working in the retail sector with several clients on their people issues for 17 years. I'm Ruth
2: Hoy, I'm an intellectual property lawyer, and I'm also very involved with the retail sector here at DLA Piper.
0: All three of us were very closely involved in our collaboration with Retail Week and the World Retail Congress earlier this year, where we produced a joint report, Retail Reimagined, examining the technologies that will drive global disruption over the next 10 years. And one of the things we wanted to talk about today is some of the themes that come out of that looking forward. Um, and the different challenges that retailers are facing at the moment in the market. So technology has been disrupting retail for many years as we've seen the move to online sales channels and increasing market share for the original digital disruptors But technology has already reinvented the way that customers shop and how retailers run their businesses around the world. I think now, though, the economic pressure being placed on some of the more traditional bricks-and-mortar retailers has really come to a head in recent months, and it feels like the sector's at something of a crossroads where there's a need to evaluate investment strategies and the role of technology within a retail business. So how would you both sum up your view of the market at the moment?
1: The words challenging and volatile come to mind, I think particularly, as you say, for some of the more traditional bricks-and-mortar retailers. And interestingly, I was speaking to one of those clients yesterday and they described it as the perfect storm at the moment in terms of the challenge of online competition, sluggish economic growth, higher costs due to the impact of things like the national living wage and the apprenticeship levy, the impact of Brexit and the uncertainty around that, and what we will talk about today, which is the impact of technology and how they will um, address the challenges and the opportunities that that presents.
0: I think that's a really interesting point, isn't it? Because I think at the moment that's creating a real uh, perfect storm where retailers are having to assess their their strategies because there is a, s- a significant threat to many of them in the industry at the moment. But actually that threat creates opportunity when it comes to embracing technology and I think more and more people are having to look at how they address that within their own strategies, mm. what you say, Ruth? Yeah, I mean, I
2: think some of these issues have been around for for quite a long time, haven't they? And, you know, this idea that the, the sort of death of the high street store... Um, the increase in online, and I was chatting to someone and they were sort of saying, well, are these issues new issues? And I I think the real thing is that there's just an acceleration of change at the moment. And and it is that, you know, so, uh, you know, the stats that we're looking at are, you know, like 15% of stores are probably going to close over the next few Mm. years, probably within the, the timelines that are set out in the report. And so it is, you know, what can retailers do to sort of reinvent themselves and adjust and change um, and, and looking at that piece about the, the you know explosion of sort of online sales, I think we're looking at sort of you know 20%, 30 percent um, increase in in people who are shopping online now.
0: Retailers are having to to respond aren't they to the the change in preferences of their customer, which is at the center of what they're looking at in terms of their strategy is really picking up on what the customer journey looks like, whether it's in store or whether it's online and actually trying to make that, an integrated experience from a brand perspective. So I think as technology continues to advance, it creates opportunities, not just threats, and the pace of change means it's critical for retailers to plan forward. So having reflected on the pace of change over the last 10 years, it stands to reason that this will accelerate even more quickly over the next 10 years. And we're seeing more and more retailers piloting innovative technologies, focusing on improving their customer journey. And that's one of the thirst themes that we touch on in the report, looking at the increase of personalisation and customer journey. So Gopri, I was just thinking, what are you seeing in terms of the the technologies that are being deployed and, and what's the impact of that?
1: The reality is that the retailers that will succeed over the next 10 years are the ones that will make the best use of the technology available to both enhance the customer journey for both consumers. Uh, for, for consumers and to achieve at the same time maximum operational efficiency. And the retailers that get that right are the ones who are going to be the winners. When we look at some of the key technologies that we think will have the most impact and, and indeed some of which are already having an impact in some parts of the sector which we'll come on to talk to shortly. The Internet of Things is an obvious one and increasing connectivity between the consumer and the products and also between the consumer and the brand and um, we're going to see more of that over the coming years and artificial intelligence again we'll come on to some specific examples later i think but we're already seeing some retailers successfully deploying ai for things like stock management and forecasting using chatbots instead of customer service employees and the effective use of algorithms to predict customer Behavior and I think you gave a really good example when we were talking earlier, Chloe, about your own personal experience and maybe you could share that.
0: I mean, some people might say I'm a marketeer's dream, but I had this fantastic experience with a chatbot for an online fashion retailer recently, which really showed to me the power of being able to develop an aligned, consistent um, strategy with a technology partner through the customer journey. So I was looking for a dress to wear to a wedding went online. I'd seen uh, one that had landed in my inbox in a marketing brochure for for this retailer. So I went online and couldn't find it anywhere. So I ended up using the chatbot function to sort of say, hey, I saw this dress on page seven. Um, I can't find it anywhere. Do you know who makes it, where I can find it? The response came back saying, oh, we're really sorry, that's out of stock. But... uh, there's these three other dresses that are very similar that we've put in your basket. Why don't you go and take a look at them, see what you think, and if you want to buy one, we'll waive the delivery fee. So off I go. Decide, actually, yeah, I really like that one. Uh, order it, it arrives, keep it, wear it to the wedding, it's brilliant. Then a week later, this email appears in my inbox saying, we've got one more in stock of the dress you originally liked. We've not put it on to general release yet. We've hold, held one for you popped it in your basket. If you want it, just click on this link and buy it. And uh, like a sucker, I did. <laughs> and uh, it just shows that looking at all the different touch points of that customer journey, that retailer got it just right based on their analysis and understanding of me as a customer. It wasn't too scary. It wasn't too intrusive. They just, I think, had had been able to assess that I'm, I might just behave in that way. And it really demonstrates the power of deploying technology in that way. Thinking about how that retailer partners with their technology provider, the fact that the process was so slick and so tailored shows to me that in that context, when developing a partnership with a technology supplier, that that retailer's really invested in that. And it's it's a really good example, actually, where I think from a contractual perspective, You could look at developing an approach based on actually upside two for the technology provider. They um, clearly were able to generate a significant amount of additional revenue because the process was so streamlined. And actually, as a measure of success in the contract, you can quantify that and potentially look at upside and attributing that to the supplier in the uh, commercials under the contract too. And so thinking more about the use of artificial intelligence and automation in um, some of these processes, Ruth, what are the IP issues that uh, retailers should consider?
2: I think it's different in different countries, really. Um, I was reading one article about in the US how they have absolutely no copyright protection where things are being made by machines whereas in the UK we obviously have provisions already within our copyright law about the, the fact that it's created by a machine won't be a bar to copyright protection and and that extends to things like personalisation as well where you've got products which maybe you create but you are giving the opportunity to somebody else to add to or redesign or add an image on the front of it or customise in some way the question will be well who owns the IP in the resulting product and so I think retailers need to think about are they happy that the end result of of somebody interacting with a product or with a brand might be that they lose something in, in terms of IP ownership or are they going to try and control that in some way such that the IP is actually transferred back to them And and that may be different for different retailers as well as to how they interact with their consumers and how their consumers want to receive goods and and, and interact with them. I think a second issue that people need to think about is is brand reputation and and where you are giving people the opportunity to personalise products. Is there a question mark over whether somebody will actually cause damage to your brand as a result? And how are you going to feel about that Um, you know, I think, I think there was one example, and this is maybe a silly one, but it, Nutella um, in Australia. And they had enabled people to personalise the labels of their Nutella jars. And they, they actually ended up with some quite offensive and, and difficult um, messages in terms of the labelling on the Nutella jars. But y- you can see how you can extrapolate that and it can become a real issue for, for brand reputation.
0: Yeah, I think that's really true. I remember we were in discussion with one of our clients um, from a large department store not long ago talking about personalization And one of the things that she said is actually we've looked at it, but We don't think it's right for our customer base. So actually understanding what your customers are and what they want is a key part Mm. of it as well, because the impact of getting it wrong on your brand is significant.
2: I think also from an IP perspective, you need to think about infringement um, and how technology is actually making infringement so much easier. Um, And I'm thinking particularly, you know, 3D printing, uh, and you think about how... Now, the price of a 3D printer is really coming down, and how easy it is to infringe now. And then I think the final one probably is around data and data ownership. You know, with, with technological advances, we are increasing <laughs> exponentially the amount of data that is available. And so, how we retain ownership in inverted commas over that, and how we then exploit it, and, and who is able to exploit it, I think are real issues for retailers and things that people need to consider
0: so I think there's some really interesting examples there of online experience for customers. Is there still a role for bricks and mortar retailers? And how can they also embrace some technologies in the way that they operate their own businesses?
1: Yes, I think there is. And I think we can see evidence of of that in a few places. But I think the best one is probably the case study we refer to in in our report where it looks at JD.com, which is China's largest online Retailer, but who recently launched its fresh fruit grocery store, Seven Fresh, which embraces some of this cutting edge technology. So, for example, it has things like magic mirrors that sense when customers pick up produce and then automatically provide information about that product's provenance. Uh, and it's also planning, I think, next year to look at using smart shopping carts that follow customers through the aisles and facial recognition. Systems for for making payment. I mean, it sounds like something out of um, Minority Report, if we all remember that, that that famous Tom Cruise film. But it's actually a reality that that they are bringing to life, and and it's interesting because I was I was looking at a YouTube video on on this a couple of days ago, and and I had my ten year old son with me, and he said, "Well, oh, Daddy, can we visit that store? That looks amazing. <laughs> I want to go there." And the idea of people being drawn to something like that for the experience, not just For the chore of doing the weekly shop I think is really important and what a lot of these retailers are really focusing on.
2: And I think in that it is really important to understand your consumer, isn't it, because I think there is a fine line between what is really great and interesting and helpful and what is a little bit freaky and a little bit, you know, big brother. About, about something. And clearly, I think the difference between you and your son is, is you know, what he wants and what you would think is a bit... <laughs> it, 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 so, so I think it, when you're looking at different sectors of society and different consumers, it could be a, a different outcome for, Abs- for ab- what, what the consumer, absolutely. what the retailer should do.
1: That's spot on, Ruth. And, and we know that consumers are more discerning now. So all the evidence points to the fact that consumers shop online for predominantly convenience but shop offline for the experience and I think those retailers who appreciate that distinction and deploy the right technologies to reflect what their customers want are the ones that will ultimately succeed.
2: There is a lot about the store now being more of an entertainment and that crossover between actually sort of just shopping and entertainment and also the the businesses that are doing really well now are are sometimes the the food uh, and so maybe collaborating with food stores or restaurants or something like that to put them in your stores and and I think it's just the changing nature of things isn't it
0: and I think another really interesting trend we've seen emerging is the online retailers coming offline so the likes of Bowdoin actually opening up their own stores and because the the online presence came first were able to Make their store almost feel like a physical representation of the online environment, so that it does have that consistency throughout the brand, which I think is something that it can be very hard to get right when you're doing it the other way around. Making sure that you 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 know your user experience from a, a technology perspective is consistent throughout both where you're using the website or um, a mobile app, or whether you're in the shop and retailers that use beacons and other technologies to kind of draw that together when you're in the store, I think, again, can be really, really powerful. So, Gapri, what impact are you seeing technologies have on retailers from an HR perspective?
1: Many bigger retailers are having to make and will have to make significant structural changes to the shape of their business and their workforces in order to survive. The Retail 2020 report by the British Retail Consortium in 2016 predicted that the sector could have a net loss of 900,000 jobs in the UK by 2025, compared with 2016. And that's due to a combination of reasons, so not just the impact of technology, but also the cost pressures that we alluded to earlier around initiatives like the National Living Wage and the Apprenticeship Levy, which have hit the bottom line of many of these retailers very hard. That said, I don't think it's all doom and gloom and the general consensus is that there will be fewer but better jobs and that there will be a need to recruit people with new skills in things like data science, robotics, machine learning and HR departments of these retailers will be challenged with managing this significant people transition remaining an employer of choice in a sector that is in a constant state of flux keeping employee engagement levels high when there's so much change, retaining clarity and consistency in your values and, and winning the inevitable war for talent. I mean, these are all issues that chief people officers across um, the sector are grappling with at the moment, and uh, that's the challenge they face.
0: And one of the things that I think is, is really interesting is actually thinking about reskilling and, and understanding the impact of uh, technology on a workforce, but actually looking also at the opportunities that creates from an individual perspective as well as an organisational perspective. So what do we think the workforce is going to look like for retailers in 10 years' time?
1: One thing we know is that the workforce will look very different in 10 years' time. And the research which um, the report is based upon talks about jobs of the future, being roles such as head of customer storytelling or the customer services experience design director. And, And these are roles that currently don't exist, but will Come, will become more prominent in years to come and, and these people will need teams around them with specific expertise in those areas of personalization and the customer journey. I think it's fair to say that any role currently within retail that is done by a human but which could be more efficiently performed by these technologies, by deploying some of these technologies, but without compromising on the output will come under scrutiny. I think that's natural. But we shouldn't underestimate ultimately the importance of, of humans and human interaction within this sector. It was interesting, I was listening to an interview with Doug McMillan, the CEO of Walmart recently, and when he was asked about what is the key to the success of Walmart in the next 10 years, his answer was, Humanity, And he said that the key for them to succeed in the digital world, which is something that they have absolutely embraced, is that their employees and their customers want to still have a sense of community, a sense of belonging and a sense of meaning. And that's something that, frankly, robots can't give you.
2: I know that when we had uh, um, an event to talk about this report, and we had um, a lady from Wilco there she was saying that in terms of the Wilco business, actually that, that human element was so important. And, I, and the, the example that sort of stayed with me was around the, the, the people who would go into the store and actually know the people behind the till by name and they'd know their children. And, and actually, again, it depends probably on the business, doesn't it? But 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 very much that kind of we're all part of the same family and we, we know you and we know what you like and want was very important in, yeah, in terms of it. Uh, absolutely, it's stores. something
1: that's very hard to measure as well because again the, the retailers that focus solely on quality of the product, the price and things like that often miss that and actually mm. that can be a big reason for many people to want to shop in that particular store mm. or spend their money with that business. It's the whole experience and the personalization of it that that fits around that
0: it pulls back to what's your brand what's your brand as a retailer as an employer what's your brand from a customer perspective and actually getting that combined integrated approach Mm. all the way through so that so that all aspects of your proposition reflect your brand But then I'm struck by your example as well, in terms
2: of your interaction with the chatbot, <laughs> and the chatbot was almost as good as that, wasn't it? So I suppose as technology gets better, mm. then then does that ultimately replace the humans? I don't know. It has a very hu- It had a very human experience attached to it, didn't it? Yeah, you? it
0: definitely did. But I think going back, I suppose to the point that um, you were making, Gopri, in the development of that process, I would would anticipate that people from the retailer worked very much in partnership with people from the technology company because I'd expect that that the retailer would, would understand their customers and would be working more likely on an agile basis actually with the technology company, going through different user stories, developing the product on an iterative basis so that, that you get that consistency of customer journey in a way that more traditional waterfall software development cycles perhaps didn't. So I think from a retailer employment perspective, your workforce are going to be really shaping that experience and working actually with the technology companies on a day to day basis to drive that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean in the same way that that when retailers onboard new human employees, there is a process around this is our brand, this is what we stand for, this is how we engage with our customers, these are our values. Machines are going to have to be taught the same thing. And that's not going to happen overnight and there will be a big part to play for the existing workforces of these retailers who have that deep experience and, and understanding of their customers and for them to impart that in a way that the machines will ultimately understand and be working in a way that is, is, is at maximum efficiency and output and, and engagement with, them, with the customer.
2: So I think that takes us into the third area that is dealt with within the Retail Reimagined uh, report that we did with Retail Week Um, and that's talking about the impact of technology on the supply chain and what it's saying is that because of automation across the supply chain there will be an impact on um, jobs because human jobs will be lost as automation takes over in terms of supply chain. What we'll see in terms of that automation is that the supply chain will actually start to incorporate things like autonomous vehicles for the purposes of delivery, robotics in warehouses, and also drones. And then the other thing that is dealt with within the report is the impact of blockchain, particularly across the whole life cycle of the supply chain, which will increase transparency in terms of how goods are manufactured and then delivered and will potentially reduce costs and will also itself create new job opportunities. So, Gurpreet, I don't know whether you want to touch on some of those employment issues um, and, and, again, I guess ultimately loss of jobs um, in, in, in this area for, for humans.
1: <laughs> yes. So, from a people perspective, again, given that we're seeing more and more items ordered uh, online within the sector, I think the, the numbers predict something like you know, within 10 years, 50% of products Um, that are sold by retailers will be ordered online. We will inevitably then see more and more investment in supply chain technology. And and we're seeing some examples of that now. So use of robotics in warehouses, as an example. So Ocado is one of the market leaders on this and its fulfillment technology is so successful that they are actually licensing it out to, to other retailers. And then when we look at driverless vehicles, a sector that's growing significantly um, and will continue to do so. And driverless vehicles will be used to deliver more and more items. I think that's that's inevitable. And for companies that currently employ their own warehouse staff or drivers, they really need to be planning for what will happen to those individuals when this technology manifests itself and, and becomes part of day-to-day business within the supply chain can they retain some of that talent and reskill them in other roles or are we looking at you know significant job losses within the supply chain as well and I think again this is a question that is taxing several businesses and HR teams in particular at the moment in terms of the future shape of their their workforce and the market challenges that this, um, this presents.
2: I know there was an example from ASOS wasn't there in terms of their Um, facility in Barnsley and they have entirely automated um, how they are picking and packing goods for for shipping out. And I think they've got a 20 million unit capacity automated solution
0: operating there.
2: So it is absolutely happening.
0: I think that's right. And I think one of the challenges actually with um, operating an online business for retailers is, is the margins associated with it and the costs, particularly of the last mile. And anything which... Allows retailers to use technology to to reduce those costs and to to make its uh, delivery processes more streamlined. I think would we'll be really welcomed by them. And I think I think that's certainly where we're seeing a lot of investments by retailers into technologies which will help them with stock management, which will help them with expediting that process. So being able to use the Waitrose and John Lewis model much in the same way that they do, whereby customers can just go into Waitrose to pick up their items rather than having to have it delivered out to them at home. That sort of thing really helps from a a customer experience, but it also really helps from a Mm. cost-based perspective for the retailers. And certainly more and more investment is going into trying to to reduce those costs, I think. I think
2: in this area, one potentially transformative technology is blockchain. I don't know whether you have got some want to describe what it is and
0: how it will help and and the impact that it will make on retailers. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting area for development and I think there's another podcast in the series which is actually going to examine this in a lot more detail, but from a retail perspective, it offers significant scalable processing power, high accuracy rates and high security at a materially reduced cost compared to traditional systems and we're seeing more and more retailers deploy it to increase the efficiency and transparency of their supply chains so that they can positively impact everything from warehousing to delivery and to payment. And we're seeing um, more and more uptake of blockchain solutions provided by suppliers like Provenance, where they use it to help retailers create digital passports for every product and demonstrate their social environmental impact at every level. And I think that is a real growth point for retailers. We're seeing, in my view, an increasing emphasis on provenance from the socially conscious consumer. The example of the way that plastics have been cut from a number of products recently is a really good example of how public pressure can change the way that businesses have to bring their products to market. And I think having the ability to track that and using things like the magic mirrors we were talking about earlier in stores to to demonstrate the the provenance of a product, I think really resonates for some customers. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to be seeing more and more of that as as a consumer trend over the next few years. So I think blockchain solutions make it easier and quicker for retailers to track that. And as we see more and more pressure on them to report on these things too, it's being used as a real differentiator by brands like H&M and like Marks & Spencers who put this at the core of their offering and really do demonstrate that the journey of their products is is one that is...
2: Ethical, really. Yeah.
0: It's ethical sourcing. Exactly. And I think that is is becoming more and more important to purchasers and consumers and retailers are having to place more emphasis on that and using technology to get that traceability is a really good example of using technology in a positive Mm. way. I think, unfortunately, though, that's all we've got time for. I'd just like to thank you both for joining me today. Thank you, Gurpreet. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DLA Piper Tech Law podcast series. And don't forget to subscribe to future episodes. Please download our 2018 European Tech Index report for more information.